Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Now, fiction writers especially often think that they should hide behind their characters. So they try to separate their experience from the character's experience. But the reader wants access to a real human being. They want to connect. And if you're trying to disconnect the character from you, you're disconnecting the relationship the reader wants to have with your character. They'll lose interest. They'll stop reading because there's nothing to hold on to. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Raise your hand if you want to write, but think you have nothing to say, or you know you have something to say, but you don't know how to say it. In this episode, I'm going to give you three exercises to help you find your way into a story by tapping into memory. Alice Monroe once said, memory is the way we keep telling ourselves our stories and telling other people a somewhat different version of our stories. So why is memory such a powerful tool for storytelling? Well, writing a book is a lengthy process, so we need to be invested in our material for the long term. As Stephen Pressfield says in his book, The War of Art, In order for a book or any project to hold our attention for the length of time it takes to unfold itself, it has to plug into some internal complexity or passion that is of paramount importance to us. That problem becomes the theme of our work, even if we can't at the start understand or articulate it. That problem becomes the theme of our work, even if we can't at the start understand or articulate it. Writing helps us understand and articulate that thing that's important and meaningful to us. And if it's meaningful to us, it will be meaningful to our readers. When we write, our story 
helps us make meaning of our lives. It's where we try to make sense of what we've lived through and to make some order and meaning out of chaos. Writers deal with essential questions or obsessions that fascinate them over the course of their career or lifetime. There are usually some common themes across a writer's whole body of work. The three exercises I'm going to give you will help you plug into those essential questions or obsessions and tap into story material that you can open up and use in your fiction or memoir. Now, I know many of you are writing memoir. Some of you are writing autobiographical fiction and others are writing straight fiction. But even with a story that's spun out of imagination, there has to be some emotional truth to it. These three exercises will help you get to that emotional truth. They'll help you start a story or you can use one or more on a regular basis to warm up or whenever you're stuck. So you'll write for 10 to 20 minutes on the following subjects. Here we go. Exercise number one, places. List all the places you have lived. One place per page. What I like about this exercise is that it's a great way to begin because it gives you a concrete grounding in time and place. You might want to get very specific. For example, maybe you want to revisit all the bedrooms you've had or the kitchens. I like specific rooms because they're emotionally charged and we tend to remember specific objects. Rooms contain a multitude of memories. So maybe you remember your bedrooms or the ones that were most memorable. I had an attic bedroom that felt like an apartment. I had a platform bed with a lipstick plant hanging over it. I had a corner desk with my brother word processor. The ceilings were vaulted. The front faced Lloyd Street. The back of the room faced the backyard. I was 18 and the attic felt very separate from the rest of the house. It felt more private, like an apartment. So as you write about your places or rooms, were you happy or unhappy in those places? Why? What memories come up? What were your parents or other family relationships like? Maybe you write a scene from your parents' point of view. What family members, brothers, sisters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, what were the dynamics of your family during that time? Think about smells, indoor and outdoor smells. What memories do these conjure up? Ask yourself, what did I care about when I was 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, etc.? What do I care about now? Alice Monroe once said that a story is not like a road to follow, it's more like a house. You go inside and stay there for a while, wandering back and forth and settling where you like and discovering how the room and corridors relate to each other, how 
the world outside is altered by being viewed from these windows. And the visitor, the reader, is altered as well by being in this enclosed space, whether it's ample and easy or full of crooked turns or sparsely or opulently furnished. You can go back again and again, and the house, the story, always contains more than you saw the last time. So place is fertile ground for story, either as a launching point or to bring precise objects and sensory details into the place or situation. Okay, on to exercise number two. Sell your strongest emotions. F. Scott Fitzgerald once wrote to a student about the price she must pay for aspiring to be a writer. And he said, you've got to sell your heart, your strongest reactions, not the little minor things that only touch you lightly, the little experiences that you might tell at dinner. And he went on to say that this is especially true when you first start writing, when you don't yet have the techniques or the tricks to make interesting people on the page. When you have none of the techniques that take a long time to learn, when in short, you have only your emotions to sell. Now, many writers avoid their own strongest feelings and their strongest emotions because they're either afraid of them or they don't want to feel exposed or they don't want the writing to feel overly sentimental. They want to avoid it coming across as false or inauthentic or exaggerated. But this usually happens when the writer tries to get an emotional response from a reader. For example, describing a death as sad or a wedding as happy. They're not sure how to effectively express intense emotions on the page. Now, for more on that, go listen to episode 13, How to Write for Emotional Impact. Episode 13, I'll link in the show notes. But your strongest reactions, your strongest feelings are the very things that will make your work feel true and move your reader. If it moves you, it will move your reader. Now, Wordsworth once said about poetry, and I think this goes for fiction and memoir as well, that it's emotion recollected in tranquility. Emotion recollected in tranquility meaning you need to have enough distance from the event in order to write about it effectively. So it's a matter of bringing your inner self to your characters. Now, fiction writers especially often think that they should hide behind their characters. So they try to separate their experience from the character's experience. But the reader wants access to a real human being. They want to connect. And if you're trying to disconnect the character from you, you're disconnecting the relationship the reader wants to have with your character. They'll lose interest. They'll stop reading because there's nothing to hold on to. 
So here's the exercise. Write about an early childhood event that made you cry or terrified you. Maybe it filled you with shame or disappointment, maybe disappointment in yourself, or maybe you felt triumphant with revenge. So it should be an event that you can't forget. Now, don't overthink this. Just write the first thing that comes up. So for me, in this moment, I'm thinking of the day my father told me he was going away for a while and was leaving later that day. It was right before I was leaving for school. I was about eight or nine at the time. And I remember how hard it was for him to tell me. And so I made light of it to ease his pain. And I said goodbye as though it was any other morning before school. And when I got home from school, my father was gone. And he was gone for two years. Now, I saw him a few times over those two years. And I don't remember the reason he gave me. I think he said he was going to teach in a military school far away. He was going to teach student soldiers how to march. This made sense because he was a Marine when I was born. But that's the memory that immediately came to me just now. That morning in the living room when my father told me he was going away for a while. So trust whatever comes up. You instinctively know what to write about. So take us back to those significant or traumatic times, those traumatic events, and relive them for us through your story so that you make your experience ours. These are usually turning points where your life was one way and then suddenly another. When your understanding of how the world works changed forever. It's this kind of truth that you want to bring to your characters and their situation. So exercise number two, sell your strongest emotions. Okay, last one, exercise three, people from the past. This is a two-part exercise I learned from Pamela Painter. You know, many of us have an unsettling memory of another child that may have taken on mythic proportions while we were growing up. It may have been someone we feared or resented or envied. Maybe it was someone we dreaded. It could be a sibling, a cousin, a schoolmate, or a kid from our neighborhood. Maybe it was a bully. In Margaret Atwood's autobiographical novel, Cat's Eye, the narrator, Elaine, is haunted by Cordelia, who was both friend and foe when she was a child. Cordelia was really her childhood tormentor. And even as an adult, she has not been able to forget that experience. So here's the exercise. First, think about your childhood between the ages of 6 and 12, and try to recall someone whose memory, even now, has the power to invoke strong, maybe even negative feelings in you. Was that person the class bully? Or was it the heartthrob 
the promiscuous girl, the popular or beautiful girl. Maybe it was a cousin or a neighbor. Write down the details of what you remember about this person. Think about how he or she looked and talked. Did you have any encounters with this person? What happened? Maybe you just observed this person from a distance. Next, if you haven't seen this person for 10 years or more, imagine what this person is doing now, where he or she lives, what kind of job he or she has. Does this person have kids, etc.? Be specific. In Cat's Eye, Elaine, in the present of the story, is in her 50s, and she's back in her hometown of Toronto for a retrospective of her art. And being home after so many years ignites memories of childhood, and in particular, Cordelia, her childhood tormentor. So she imagines Cordelia in the present and imagines what her life is like now. She imagines her coming to the art gallery during the opening reception. She imagines her in the streets. So Cordelia still looms big in her mind. If your person from the past is a cousin or relative or someone you've known for a long time or still know, imagine where this person will be 10 years from now. So the objective with this exercise is to understand how our past is fertile material for our imagination. Okay, let's recap. We talked about how writers deal with essential questions or obsessions that fascinate them over the course of their career or their body of work and how tapping into memory is a great way to bring rich detail and emotional impact to your writing. Here are the three exercises again. Number one, places. List all the places you've lived or focus on particular rooms. Number two, sell your strongest emotions. Think of an event that changed who you were on an elemental level, that changed your life, a turning point. And number three, people from the past. Focus on a friend, a schoolmate, a neighbor, sibling, or cousin who brings up unsettling memories. Write down the details about them, then imagine where they are now, or 10 years from now. You can use these exercises as a starting point to a new story or whenever you're stuck. You can also make up your own questions and prompts. Make up questions to bring back the past to explore the present and to imagine the future. So there you have it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly lights me up and helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.